You're listening to Beyond the Plate with Andrew Kaplan. That sounds so weird. You're listening to Beyond the Plate with Cappy. The most important thing is believe in your palate. You know, for a chef, it's like, I have to trust myself, right? I have to believe in what I'm doing. Hey everyone, this is Cappy and you're listening to Beyond the Plate, a podcast where I sit down in person with the world's culinary elite to explore their journey into the industry and the social impact they have made in their community. Every episode, we share inspiring stories of what it means to be in today's hospitality industry. For this episode, we sat with Chef Massimo Batura. Batura is the chef of a restaurant called Osteria Francescana in Modena, Italy. This is a three-star Michelin restaurant a restaurant that's been in the top 50 best restaurants in the world since 2010. And bigger than that, it was the number one restaurant in the world in 2016. He has a new restaurant opening next week in Florence, Italy, in what was the Gucci Museum, which is being reopened as the Gucci Garden, which has been a very top secret project. Anyhow, his name may sound familiar because he was featured in season one, episode one of the Netflix series Chef's Table. If you haven't seen that episode, please, please watch it. It's amazing. All right. Otura has a few books, actually maybe four books or so, but he happened to be coming through Chicago to promote his newest book called Bread is Gold, Extraordinary Meals with Ordinary Ingredients. Here's the premise. He created a soup kitchen using food waste from Expo 2015 in Milan. He invited some of his best chef friends from around the world to come and create recipes using these food waste ingredients, whatever would show up to the door that morning. And he took those recipes, turned it into this book called Bread is Gold. During this time, I'll give you a little bonus here. They shot a documentary film on this project called Theater of Life, which is also pretty great. From the soup kitchen to the Bread is Gold book to the documentary film Theater of Life, he started a foundation called Food for Soul. This is a foundation that promotes social awareness of food waste and hunger. This is a perfect example of why I we do this podcast to share the many ways that chefs give back in their community. But he's since opened, you know, five of these locations around the world in Brazil and parts of Italy. And I think he's eyeing the U.S., but this is it. This is a living, breathing example. I'm going to stop. But please enjoy this conversation as we go beyond the plate with one of the world's best chefs, Chef Massimo Batura. I'm here to promote the book uh, Bread is Gold, that is the um, result of seven months of work in a soup kitchen in Milan during the Universal Exposition in 2015, in which uh, 65, uh, the most influential chef in the world, they came uh, to Milan and uh, unloading tracks and uh, dedicate time and creativity to work uh, and to feed uh, people in need, uh, migrants, uh, homeless, uh, and, um, you know, write down recipes, uh, (laughs) improvising on uh, what uh, we had uh, during that period that uh, was uh, the inevitable waste from the Universal Exposition, but also the products uh, like ordinary ingredients uh, from the supermarkets uh, all around in the area, in these uh, neglected neighborhoods close in Milan. And that's why we're here today at the Arts Club in Chicago. So thank you. 
I appreciate that. So I have to tell you, a lot of the chefs that I've talked to on this, I happen to know or have some connection, but obviously I've never met you. But I feel like I can't get enough of you when I read about you and see what you're doing. <laughs> and I watch Chef's Table and, and then um, I watch Chef's Table again. And then I watch the Theater of Life, is that what yes. it's called? Yes, that, that's another movie. Yeah, I think movie. I spent over three hours on my couch the other night and my wife was going to bed, you know, saying, uh, honey, when are you coming up? And I said, uh, I'm, I'm busy watching a movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I feel like I could just go on and on and, and watch. Yeah, because it's uh, contagious. Yes. The, yeah, good ideas, good things are like uh, are really contagious. Do you want to know more and more and more and That's right. be part of the project? It's pro powerful, yeah. it's inspiring. Last time you were in town, you actually signed a cookbook. Never trust. Never trust a skinny Italian chef yes. uh, for my wife. And, yes. and you wrote this. You want to, take, you want to read that, uh, please? To Katie and Andrew... Just to remind you, and in the kitchen, Katie's angry. <laughs> That's I, very good. I, I think I think she probably told you to write that. No, 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 no. It was my inspiration. It was. I knew it that you don't spend enough time in the kitchen. So please. All right, you were spot on. Yeah. I, I need to spend more time in the kitchen. All right, I want to have some fun with this because I know your mind is always going, going going and it's going right now as you're listening to me throughout this interview i want you to try and create a dish for me that best represents your love for cooking and my love for eating and at the end of this interview i'm just going to ask you what this dish is so just have it simmering on the back burner all right all right all right, <laughs> all right. your life as a chef i want to start with someone who i didn't know was going to be here today but she sat down next to me during your talk and she said hi i'm laura and i said you're Lara Lara, Massimo's Lara. So I guess now I could say you're Massimo, Lara's Massimo. <laughs> Lara right? <and> Massimo, yeah. <laughs> What's one word that comes to mind when you hear Lara? Lara was uh, the key point of uh, all uh, my growing as a man and uh, influenced by uh, contemporary art. She really make me look at things in a different direction. It's like... I was looking at the word from under the table, but she made me realize that I was doing that. So that's, that's everything, you know. Hmm. One of my passion is art, contemporary art. Why? Because um, before meeting Lara, I thought art was over after Duchamp, and uh, I didn't realize that you have to look at things uh, much deeper and uh, think about the idea behind uh, and the static things that usually the artist is doing. And this is uh, something that uh, is a part of my everyday life. I usually steal from the artist oh, ideas, yeah. you know, so I transform them into edible bites, yeah. you know. So Lara says her role is catching up with Massimo. No, she no, says no. You, it's she not says, true. It's <laughs> not true. The role is uh, is much deeper. You know, it's like uh, she's like she's part of the of the whole, uh, you know, Osteria Francescana word, and uh, and uh, she has uh, communication. She writes. Uh, she's like into the present of uh, food for soul. You know. Does many, she cook? Many different. She cook home for the kids, yes. Yeah. Yes. What does she cook? 
many different I directions. Just turn she's a, but she's a New Yorker, so she has she's open to every single cuisine in the world. She's been exposed to that, and uh, her mom was a great. She's a great, great cook because uh, she's very passionate about that. Very exposed to French cuisine. But uh, Lara Moore, uh, she's uh, she, as soon as she arrived in Modena, she really wants to learn. Uh, the culture of uh, where where she was living, and she asked my mom to teach her how to make ragu, a good minestrone with vegetables that we all love, especially Charlie, and uh, very healthy food for for our kids. Do you cook for your kids too? No, no, <laughs> no, never, no, no never. What, t- tell me about your kids. You know, uh, I have two kids. Like uh, Alexa is uh, 21. She lives in Washington. Oh. Actually, she was uh, she was with uh, with us yesterday in uh, in New York, and uh, she's very into food. She loves eating, and uh, you know, she has a great palate. And uh, I have we have a 17 years old kid that is called Charlie, and uh, he is is a cool dude <laughs> uh, with a lot of problems, and he's always. <gasps> You know, trying to catch up, but uh, you know it's not easy for him. Yeah. But we we help him to to do it. You know, and yeah. uh, that's excellent. And he's the best waiter in uh, soup kitchen. Is he? Open. Does yeah, he love helping out? Such a pain in the ass for all the volunteers. <laughs> he's like he's obsessed about napkins. And he's touching the detail, he's folding napkins <laughs> every single moment, and he's complaining with the other because they didn't put it in the right position. That's so you know, funny! I love the, it. It's not funny for the volunteers, right. but uh, for us, yes. Charlie's got his eye on them. Got, Charlie got his napkin. Yeah, you're oh. always going, going, going. Your energy is nonstop. Is there a day of rest for Massimo, and what does that look like? But it's not a day of rest, you know. I'm doing what I choose to do. I, I. This is my passion, you know, as a... To listen to music uh, today, uh, you know the first thing we did when uh, when waking up, uh, I made my coffee, uh, double espresso in the room. Uh, I turn on my Spotify and uh, play my music and uh, got in a good mood, and that's it. You know, it, this is my passion. It's like. You know, it's like to, I'm cooking as uh, to listen to music, as uh, to look at beautiful heart or, you know, it's, it's not that, you know, oh my God, now it's time to work. You know, work for me doesn't mean anything. You right. Know? If you love, my mom always said, if you love what you do, it's yeah, not work. Of course. Yeah. Bob Dylan would say that. Bob Dylan was like, what is the secret of success? They ask him and, uh, you know, he answer, you know, waking up in the morning, going to bed in the night and in the meantime, do what I have chosen to do. Yeah. That's fantastic. So f- your first restaurant, Compazzo, y- you were saying you were young, you didn't really know what you were doing. What would you say to that young Massimo now? To the young Massimo, I said, uh, I would say, believe and, and, and uh, think about your dad in a different way because uh, one day it's going gonna, it's gonna to pass and, uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, I, I was very close with my mom. She, she was the one who helped me. And uh, I keep going, I kept going uh, and focused for her to show the world that uh, she was right and everybody else was wrong. And uh, I did it, I did it for her. 
And uh, I'm very happy that uh, my dad, uh, before passing away, he saw the Osteria getting three Michelin star for the first time in history for a, a restaurant in Emilia Romagna. And I did it, you know. Yeah. That's a, that's a very, very big thing. And uh, actually was very happy. That's amazing. So you left at one point Campazzo and you went to New York. Yeah. How did going to New York change your life? Because I met Lara there. You know, uh, New York is always uh, a place, is a place where you breathe freedom. You just walk on the street and you get ideas. You just keep going and going and on and on and, you know. Yeah. And you it's, get your you get your inspiration and, and ideas from art and galleries and things like that and things no, like the lemon tart. Inspiration inspiration comes from your passion, you know. Where's Every, your latest? Everything. Where was your latest spark of inspiration? Latest, uh, I think, is uh, the mark of camouflage. I think is uh, something that to me is very very important. In every single uh, way, we decline it. Uh, first was uh, in hair in the wood, uh, create a dessert with hair blood, uh, foie gras, chocolate, uh, coffee, and uh, all this different uh, powder that reminds the wood. And then uh, it's been declining uh, in a, as a risotto uh, with uh, the sea, with the black ink uh, and the calamari and the squid, uh, with uh, the f the chlorophyll uh, and with the truffle and mushroom from the hill. So it's like the old landscape of Modena. And uh, on the other side, uh, on, on uh, another camouflage, uh, I did it for the 4th of July party of uh, in uh, US uh, consulate and uh, during the Universal Exposition that is all red, uh, uh, all this different tone of red and white and blue. That was very beautiful, beautiful. It was a cheesecake with blueberry and raspberry and things, you know, as a, an American flag, but totally abstract. Or, <clears throat> you know, many different camouflage as a, as a red mallet, uh, you know, uh, like Mediterranean camouflage with red, with green of the olives, with the black of the burn, uh, black olives, you know, powder. Um, but the last one is, um, it's uh, all of cococha inspired by the Spanish uh, traditional plate of, uh, of cod and uh, like all these... Uh, you know, part, the gelatinous, gelatin part, they're like uh, one is green, one is brown, one is the double green, one is black. And, you know, you see that, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Can you explain that to me deeper? Like the camouflage, you keep yeah, using camouflage. Camouflage, uh, camouflage is, uh, is, it is, what a, is a way of uh, hiding something. You okay, know? got it. You know, you see, you see this uh, black with uh, this multicolor, but uh, tone on tone. Uh, because everything starts uh, from uh, uh, reading a book uh, wrote by uh, a book by um, Gertrude Stein, who was talking about Picasso, and uh, Picasso was obsessed about the military track in uh, before the First World War, and uh, <coughs> and uh, the rumor was that uh, the French they were building this. Uh, 
military track uh, uh, in, with, with all these different color, like they were hiding in the wood, uh, you know, you couldn't see them uh, yeah. because they were just perfectly. How interesting is yeah. that? And uh, Picasso one night uh, walking on Boulevard de Raspel with uh, uh, Gertrude Stein, uh, Uh, start screaming, those are the tracks, those, those are the tracks, that's cubism, you know. So I said, come on, guys. Picasso was imagining cubism in 1914 to see a military track. I can imagine everything. So I started cooking plates in a camouflage style and, uh, you know, and create a mark on what you do is one of the most difficult thing in the world, you know. It's, for an artist, it's the most important thing in the world. You know, you see one thing and you say, that's Damien Hirst, that's Lucio Fontana, that's uh, Manzoni, that's uh, Rochko, and you see that. And everyone else who does that is a copy, you know. So create a mark is very, very important. And uh, I think uh, even for a chef, have a mark of, oops, uh, I dropped the lemon tart, or beautiful psychedelic veal, not flame green, with all the side dishes uh, transform into edible colors, or five different age parmigiano in five different yeah. texture and temperature that reminds this white like the fog. So these things are so important, like the crunchy part of the lasagna. Oh, yeah. I, I get my mouth waters every time yeah, did I you hear see the, about Did you watch the video? Yeah. Yeah, I did for incredible. the New York Times. Incredible. Huh? Um, and here, Taco? Taka. Taka probably almost had a heart attack and thought he was going to have to run to another town, but you saw it as a jumping off point. Taka now is in Lyon with his girlfriend. She's She was the soup chef at Virgilio at Centrale, and she moved to Modern and she's going to be the new chef at um, at the Gucci Cafe in Florence. Oh, yeah. We're going to open, and uh, it's gonna, all going to be about women. Wait, and, are you doing the food there? Yes. I've been to that Gucci Cafe. Yeah, we are like, they're restoring everything. No way. And it's going to be a new museum, a new, the most uh, exclusive store in the world uh, with all unique pieces, and a cafe run by us. That is exciting. Yeah, that's exciting. In the main piazza in Florence, it's beautiful. I almost drove down that piazza by accident. My <sighs> wife and I just drove into Florence from uh, Montalcino, yeah. and we were going down a street, and the police officer said, uh, I don't think you want to be going down this way. And I said, either do I. There's all these people. Walk, you know, we, I cannot navigate those streets through, uh, you know, when you uh, get into no, the little town. It's very difficult because it's like... A, it's a medieval city, you know. That's very cool. Very interesting. Let's go back in time for a minute. Can you describe your grandmother's cooking to me? But my grandma, it was very rustic, but very intense in flavor, very close to tradition. Because my mom was very, it was exposed uh, even to the culture of north of Italy, um, the Mantova, Mantova where the the um, the Gonzaga, no, uh, the kitchen of from the Gonzaga is very famous because they were really incredible uh, gourmet, you know, and um, 
and uh, she was exposed to this cuisine because my father is from there and my my, my grandmother was just focused on Modena's and, and uh, more specific on the, from the hills outside of Modena, south of Modena and so it's uh, you need the intense flavor because it's cold because uh, you work in the field uh, because uh, you know many different aspects, social and uh, economic aspects. So she was uh, incredible of making pasta, uh, handmade pasta, and uh, long cooking sauces, like ragu, like rabbit alla cacciatora, like uh, chicken uh, and uh, peppers. And, uh, you know, on the side of that, always had um, some uh, small bread, flat bread called tigelle, Cooking uh, in a fire. There's a fantastic chef here, Sarah Grunberg, a restaurant called Monte Verde, and she yeah. makes a fantastic tigella. Yeah, I know it's, uh, it's very important. Right, right. Think about that. At that time, no, the tigella are the, like the smallest stones uh, that you press. You compress the dough in the middle, and you cook under the the fire. At one point, you open the stone, and you have uh, the the flatbread cooked. You open the flatbread. You go and you make scarpetta inside. Yeah. The, oh my God! They're so delicious. I would love something <laughs> like that right now. Yeah. When I you go, know, when just I just right uh, now, yeah. when I, I go to that, that restaurant, I everyone says, "What's tigella?" I said, "It's like an Italian English muffin." I don't know if you've had an, an English Italian muffin, but English muffin, but flatter. Yeah, you know, much more flat. Yeah, it's and uh, a little more dense, but there's still some like. Uh, Hmm. fluffiness to it I feel like inside yeah 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 it's delicious yeah like that what's the first most amazing meal that you remember having I think uh, the moment I had uh, the first time I had white truffle yeah yeah I was very very young because I could say, you know, the trip, the gastronomic trip we did on Mont Saint-Michel with my brothers. But I remember there was a, a moment in which uh, they forced me to eat white truffle with scalopine. It's like veal, you know, flat, uh, you know, saute with um, some Parmigiano-Reggiano sauce and a shaved truffle on the top. I think at Osteria Toscana. Yeah. But I was six. You were six. Seven. But you remember that meal. I remember. Did you know I remember that? because I didn't I didn't like the smell and uh. they said, No, you have to eat it because this is very important for you to understand. And uh, I did it. And did you know that Parmigiano Reggiano was gonna have such a focus no, on your life later no, on? No, no, <laughs> no, but I always love Parmigiano Reggiano. What was the first dish you ever cooked that you were proud of? Crap. I think uh, it's like these uh, crespelle, no? as we call in Italy, but these are the French crab. It's like, it's a mixture of uh, flour, eggs, and milk, you know, with the right uh, texture that you spread on the top of the pan, no stick pan, you move, you remove, and with a uh, chocolate sauce that uh, I was asking my mom to make, made with uh, chocolate powder, eggs, uh, butter, and uh, cream. Uh, just uh, warm a little bit up, not to cook the eggs, and um, put on the top of the of the of the crispelle, fold it, and eat it. I think that that's one of the first thing I did with pasta alla carbonara or like this kind of stuff. That's a good one. What was your first job in a restaurant? My first job in a restaurant? The boss. 
I was the boss. I start from there. You know, I didn't. I didn't never work in a restaurant before having my own restaurant. Really? Yes. How does that happen? I don't know. I was crazy. Everyone says I was a dishwasher or something like no, this. Wait, no, hold on. Me, no. What? How I old were you from, when you stepped into? I start from the top. Yeah. <laughs> and then I moved down to the dishwasher after a little while when I really needed. You know. Do you you weren't young, uh, working in like going to wash. I was dish. studying uh, uh, law school and uh, I was doing many things. I was. Uh, Helping my father and my brother in a company, in a family company, and uh, you know, but I wasn't, I wasn't happy. And then uh, uh, my mom uh, pushed me to follow my passion, and uh, the world, uh, the gastronomic world, uh, door was open, and I walk in and I jump. But it, this is like exactly like what happened with uh, the refettorio, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't know what to do. I, I was, I had this idea, jump and in. I think. That was the best idea I ever I heard on the Universal Exposition, talking with all these states and government and uh, delegation. I said, well, "But these people, they are not getting deep into what they are doing." You know, for me, you know, it's so important to to fight waste and feed the planet in that way, and uh, and so we did it. Yeah, you just jumped into having a restaurant. Fast forward, mm. I jumped for a tree in a in a river in Australia, and uh, I almost died for because of the crocodile. I jump. I love to jump. You know, that's I amazing. Love the unexpected. You know. So then, flash forward, your restaurant last year receives number one restaurant yeah. in the world. Yeah, but number one, number two, number number well, two, number feel? three is like is numbers. Those are numbers. Right. It's not important. It's important uh, the meaning of that. So if you are like in the three best restaurants in the world for the last seven years, it's like you you build a credibility, right? A constancy. Is, is it right? Constant, constanza, constanza, consistency, consistency, yeah. consistency. When you say something in Italian, I I speak pretty good Spanish, good. so that's how good. I agree. When I'm in Italy, I speak Spanish to them, okay. and they understand yeah, yeah, better. Yeah, we understand. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's very important to build a credibility and, uh, you know, the people trust you yeah. and you can, you can really, it's funny you say, so I interviewed Magnus Nilsson yeah. for this and I asked him the same thing and he said, yeah, obviously it's nice to get an award or an accolade, but in the village where I live, the people don't care about that. Yeah. Is what course. he said. You know, in Italy they did, you know, they still now they, you know, they pass through and they, they don't care about Osteria or whatever. So did it hurt those, those early reviews? Did they call they, you a traitor they, and things like that? The early reviews, they really killed me. Yeah. The first one with a great review was an American one, Faith Willinger and Anya von Brisman, two American ones. Gourmet and Travel and Leisure. Huh. Yeah. They understood what, what I was doing. Maybe they were listening. They were used to listening to people, um, you know. And uh, what I would add to say, you know. But what does that feel like? You walk in your restaurants and it feels uh, strange, struggling. I was like ready to leave, you know. And uh, Lara convinced me to stay one more year. Thank you, you know? Lara. <laughs> <laughs> so you've experienced like extreme lows and you've experienced extreme highs. And a lot of that is because of critics. How much do you value their opinion? I value the opinion I respect of the people I respect. You know, there are critics that I don't, I don't even pay attention. But uh, 
but the people I respect, I really care what they think because they help me maybe to understand, to reflect, to ask myself. I always ask myself questions in any direction. So if I receive a critic from uh, a guy I respect, I'm start thinking, you know, and, uh, you know, th that's uh, something very important. That seems simple yet very important at the same time. I feel like it's very important. there's a hundred critics out there. and No, under critics, they don't know anything about food. Exactly. That's the point. Did that initial critic... The most important thing is believe in your palate. You know, this is the most important thing. You know, for a chef, it's like, if you trust yourself and your palate that is, and, and your taste that is being developed on years, since I was six years old, when I had my first truffle, or uh, like even before with the right chocolate to put in the bread pudding, you know, that's, that's very important because your palate is up there. And when you, when you have uh, someone like Jiro, like the master of the sushi, uh, 92 years old, who say Massimo Tour is the best palate in the world, you know, it's like, I have to trust myself, right? And uh, I have to believe in what I'm doing. Then, uh, you know, if the other, they don't understand, before and after they will. When did you start believing in your palate? But my mom always said that, you know, that I had a great palate. Oh, but okay. uh, the first one who really said that was uh, in front of me, uh, was uh, a French chef, two-star Michelin, that is no more with us now. It's called Georges Cogny. That uh, we were like, I was uh, practicing with him and uh, we went uh, for an event at... Uh, uh, north of Italy to promote uh, Sauternes, this wine. And um, he was cooking and I was um, as a stagiaire there. So I was, um, he, he was cooking, he was opening the dinner with this oyster wrapped in uh, pancetta and saute with uh, sudiro, very old. And, uh, you know, he wasn't sure about that dish. And uh, I, he asked uh, his sous chef, and the sous chef said, oh, it's a fantastic chef. And then he wasn't happy of the answer. And uh, he asked me, and I said, why me? You know, tell me what you think. I said, and I said, excess of sapidity. Because uh, I knew it, because uh, an oyster on the pan is getting, you know, I don't want to say salty, but, uh, you know, there's a sub, too much sapidity. And uh, even more with pancetta wrapped that, uh, you know, you melt the fat and you leave just the, the essence and you concentrate the flavor. It's getting so sapid in the palate. And he changed the recipe. So when, uh, going back, driving back uh, to, to, to our restaurant, um, yeah, I said, Georgia, you, you put me in a very difficult position. Ask me this question. You know, I'm the last of the old chain and you ask to me and he said, Massimo, your palate is going to take you and it's going to take Modena all over the world. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. I was 23. From that first critic that wrote the crap about you, did that yeah. critic ever come back? Sandro Bellet. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, no, he's no more with us. No. Yeah, no. But uh, think about that. The family of his critic asked me 
to be one of the speakers on uh, reminding uh, Sandro Bellet, I said, no, I'm not going, come on. No, you have to go, you have to go, you have to go. I, I, and I went and I, I was very nice. For someone who can't come to Modena to the number one restaurant in the world, one of the top restaurants in the world. Can you describe the experience from driving up to the restaurant? What am I seeing, smelling, hearing? But I don't ask me. You have to ask the people. They come, you know, and I seen, you know, every day so many people, even without reservation, coming in front of the restaurant and take picture and, you know, because it's, it's, it's something... I think very special, you know, coming in a place where that represent much more than uh, a simple meal, you know, is an experience of emotion. It's a, a space of creativity. You know, there are uh, architects, designer, artists, musicians, uh, all the creative words, the word that is coming and to understand, uh, to explore, to live the experience. This is. This is, I think, what it is. It's not about food. It's much more. It's like the refettorio. It's, it's not about... It's much more than number one, number two, number three, you know. How do you keep up with the food world? I have no... I don't know. I'm doing... You know, I... I, I have... Uh, I respect all my friends and they respect me. And so I keep going. You know, the vision and the things that, you know, I, I kind of... I'm very passionate on these things, you know, coming and talk with people, change the mind and, you know, influence other people to, to follow this kind of, I uh, have this kind of attitude and confronting the food waste and things and, you know. Can you tell me the last restaurant experience that you had that stopped you in your tracks and why? No, no there, there are so many restaurants, like the last was like two nights ago. Uh, we landed uh, in New York and, uh, you know, we were at the Nomad Hotel and uh, I'm always there since uh, my in-laws moved to, out, to New York, out from New York. And, uh, you know, uh, at the Nomad, uh, they all know me and uh, they let me do my own coffee, my own uh, stuff, and they know how I like them. I know they know that I love privacy. And, you know, they treat me like home. This is very, very nice. And so we were like, uh, we land uh, late uh, and uh, we arrive around uh, 9.30 uh, in, uh, in, uh, in Nomad. We sit in the restaurant. We had the roasted chicken with uh, things. Uh, and uh, Will uh, Gidara came and... Uh, he hugged us and, you know, he sat at the table and uh, he opened a Brunello di Montalcino. He ordered some tagliolini with white truffle. I said, soft land in New York. Uh, <laughs> Will's a, a good guy, huh? Very good Hosp guy. Hospitable. Yeah, very, hospitality, yeah, yes. Right there. This, this is a living example of hospitality. Yeah, he's fantastic. All right, let's get into the meat of this the social impact, the giving back. I have this book sitting on the table, Bread is Gold. What was your aha moment for giving back? I think the book is something, to me, as, as I said before, is the most important book of the last 30 years. Because, I, wrote, I wrote that down when you said yeah, that. Yeah, because I think uh, there's no other book 
with 65 that are the best chef in the world. What, what, it's, it's unbelievable, unbelievable. And, and all of them, they were so happy to be part of that. Uh, it's a book in which uh, we all put creativity, time and love in what we were doing with very ordinary ingredients. Beautiful is this extraordinary recipe with ordinary ingredients because we have to stop calling those uh, food waste, call them uh, ordinary ingredients is the most important thing to change the perspective of the people is the ingredients I have in my refrigerator home. And, uh, you know, creating those recipes, oh, it's fantastic. It's a book uh, that uh, every single one uh, can uh, buy and explore and use it every day, change the recipe with notes. And uh, this is something incredible. And uh, I'm going to use my media, my social media, and I use my social media to promote the book. So it's like, with your credibility, you build your, your social impact and uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and uh, you communicate, you know, as you do, through hundreds of, of thousands of people. The people are listening. They're ready to listen, you know. They're not just uh, into Netflix or their own stuff. They're ready to listen to people, to good, uh, good things, you know. Did you have intention to start? Proceeds from this are going to your new foundation called Food for Soul. So yes. I want to hear about that. Was, was that the intention? How did no, that pan out? No, we did out? that to, to explore the, the things. And Fanon is always, we had an amazing, amazing success with, and still we have, with Never Trust a Skinny Chef. It's an incredible book. It's an incredible book. It's much more than a cooking book. And uh, because it's about uh, cre the creative process and not the, the recipes. Finan uh, really believed in me and he said, uh, we're going to do everything we can to promote the book and to do something with you. And uh, they did it. And, you know, the book is light. You feel very comfortable to keep in your hand. It's uh, perfect for the kitchen. It's very good. Better and better when you have like some... Chocolate or extra virgin olive oil stain, and uh, you know you see you see a picture of uh, Rene Redzepi or Daniel Ham or Alex Atala or uh, you know whatever. These the, are the best chefs you know, in the, the world. The best chef in the world. You know they're all here. They're all part of this. Ferran Adria and Albert Adria. They're like, oh my god, this is this is incredible. <laughs> what did Ferran cook? Ferran. Uh, some crappy food. <laughs> no, no, no. He's good. Ferran is, he was very, he was very good. Ferran was, uh, he was cooking like croquetta, liquid croquetta. He was transforming a croquetta into a liquid soup. And Albert did one of the most amazing apple sorbet. It was like, wow, this is fantastic. So you mentioned Rene Redzepi of Noma, who has also received some top accolades in theater of life. I know. I know what you got, you're going to say. What? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's going to stay with me forever. Yeah. Maybe. Yes. You knew what I was going to say. Yes. I, I, I and, just uh, met Because you, it's a very you, topic point, you know. So just to quote it, Renee said, he came up to Chef Massimo in the kitchen and said, hey, Massimo, you know you're in this for life, right? Yeah. It's, um, uh, Renee pushed me to create my own caritas. 
you know, my own association of volunteers to guide all this, uh, to be part of the uh, of this whole uh, movement. But uh, you know, it's like it's very difficult, you know, to run uh, a restaurant like Osteria Francescana. That without Osteria Francescana, I could never do this because uh, it's all about that, you know. Yeah, it's a good platform yeah, for it all. A platform, you know, we are practicing every day on this. But one day, Kisa, maybe yes. Maybe I'm going to do it. I don't know. Can you explain for the listeners uh, Refettorios? Refettorio is a soup kitchen uh, full of beauty. Architects, uh, artists and designers are involved, musicians, you know, full of beauty in which uh, you can uh, really create hospitality a place to change uh, the community because uh, it's a beautiful, amazing place. And through beauty, you can really, you can really change the world. And uh, the man uh, doesn't live of bread alone. It's a Jesus Christ. You know, it's like, it is true. It is true. When someone walks into a place like that, you know, feels very comfortable, very good. So to rebuild the dignity of the people, you just don't need... Uh, a little bit of bread, but you need an act of smiling, service. And this is the refettorio that comes from the, the word, the Latin word reficere, to restore, and uh, is a, to restore the soul, you know. After one day that has been so tragic, living on a street, under a bridge, you know, in an abandoned company, you know, you go in this amazing space full of art in an amazing uh, eating on an amazing tables eating an amazing food it restores your soul and we saw that is true and uh, so this is the refettorio and in my idea we had to do something as i said before in the conference better than leonardo da vinci did 500 years ago the, and the most famous refettori in the world is the one in Milan that, uh, in which uh, you, Leonardo painted the Last Supper. So maybe in 500 years they're going to look at the, our refettori and say, wow, look at this door. This is the Massimo and Laura and Food for Soul refettori with the door from Mimo Paladino and the neon, no more exclusive, of Maurizio Nanucci. Who knows? I know you said this um, just before in your talk, but can you just repeat for listeners, where are the refettorios right now? The refettorios are one in Milan, in a neighborhood uh, called Quartiere Greco, another one in uh, Rio de Janeiro, in Lapa, in the, one of the most difficult neighboring uh, Rio de Janeiro. Beautiful, beautiful space. Uh, one in uh, Modena, downtown. Another one in uh, Bologna, and uh, one in uh, London, uh, five minutes walk from Earl's Court, in, uh, you know, in close to the San Cubert Church. Tell me one thing people can do to be more socially conscious. The best recipe is to restore a relationship with your butcher, your farmers, your fishermen, your your person uh, at the counter buy the right amount of food for a couple of days, two, three days, keep it in the refrigerator, cook that amount of food, buy seasonal, you're going to save money, you're going to eat well, and you're going to fight waste. 
this is the best recipe I can give. Yeah. Then you're going to buy food for sold, bread is gold. You're going to have food for sold. You're going to do, and you're going to have so many ideas what you can do with some breadcrumbs, with some eggs, with some fruit or vegetables. You know, it's like, it's, it's incredible what you can do. You, you can do so many beautiful things, you know. Why is it so important for chefs or young cooks to give back? First, uh, if you are a chef and you, you believe in this uh, job deeply, it's a job in which you do, you give. You know, I'm always, I always love more uh, like give present than receive presents. And uh, it's exactly as, uh, you know, you come to Osteria from Osaka or Argentina and, uh, you know, after traveling 24 hours and, you know, you're going to feel the experience of welcome, sit, enjoy, relax, very relaxed atmosphere. Usually there's a Napolitan guy called Pino that is make everyone laugh with his jokes and, you know, it's, it's very good atmosphere. We are, even the services, we are giving to everyone the possibility to experience this kind of thing. It's like, oops, I dropped the lemon tart. It's exactly the same thing. You sitting at Osteria Francescana, one of the best restaurants in the world, and eat a broken lemon tart, you know, and have a service that is very informal, but very good. Yeah. Okay, I want to do a quick speed round. So these are just quick answers. No, I'm not good enough. Yeah. Okay, good. What did you have for dinner last night? Nothing. No, no, no food? Nothing. Ah. Few, few, uh, some, some grape. Name a smell in the kitchen you love. The smell of the music. Ah. Name a smell in the kitchen you hate. Arrogance. What pisses you off in a kitchen? Someone who works for me himself and not for the team. What makes you happy in the kitchen? To see a team. All right, we're wrapping up. Do you have a dish you're going to make for me? Uh, actually, I totally forgot about that. That's perfect. But we can improvise <laughs> something. Give me something and I'm going to give tell you something. Maybe we can do... There's some ravioli. Oh, delicious. But wait, can you hold that thought? I want to save it for next week's episode of Just a Plate. But I have one last question. Who is Massimo Batura? He's a, he's a, he's a man in love uh, of his life. You know? Thank who's you. Who's living his life as a dream. Thank you. Ciao. Quote, buy the right amount of food for a couple of days. Keep it in the refrigerator. Cook that amount of food and buy seasonal. You're going to save money, you're going to eat well, and you're going to fight waste. This is the best recipe I can give. Thanks again to Chef Massimo Batura. Find more on him at www.osteriafrancescana.it or foodforsoul.it. Join us next week when Beyond the Plate presents Just the Plate, a short segment where chefs describe a recipe sharing insider tips on what makes this specific dish meaningful to them. Massimo actually shares a couple dishes. One is a recipe that goes back to his childhood that also happens to be in his new cookbook, Bread is Gold. And he also created an interesting recipe inspired by me. It was very fun. You can find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at On Kathy's Plate or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. We're on Twitter at BT Play Podcast and Facebook. This episode was produced by myself along with Ian Cohen, Joel Yeaton, and Shant Petrosian. 
Thank you all around. And our music has been composed by Goldford. Find him at iGoldford. Special shout out to my wife, Katie. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Plate. I'm Cappy, and remember, there are never too many cooks in the kitchen.